of our board members asked us about getting to GuideStar's platinum level. How important is this really? So I'm not sure if our listeners are aware, but GuideStar, obviously, which is now candid.org or whatever it's called, but you can find it on guidestar.org, has different sort of seals of, I like to call it like seals of transparency. So there's different levels you can reach by filling in more of your of your online profile, organizational information, mission, programs, board, budget, all that kind of stuff, right? And the more you fill in, the higher up your ranking is because you're just being more transparent. So this new level just came out, oh gosh, I think it was about a month ago or it was early, I don't know, sometime in May, GuideStar released this platinum level, which sort of added a whole new dimension of metrics and, and talking about quantitative metrics to show the impact of your work. So is what your mission is doing actually making a difference? So it's um, I'm a huge proponent of trying to use any of these vehicles you can. Um, it's I haven't gone through the process. So in all fairness, I don't know how rigorous it is. It didn't look too bad. I, I glanced at it before uh, our podcast recording just to see. It didn't look awful. Um, but I know nonprofits are wearing 100 hats. Uh, it just seems like another opportunity for donors. I mean, there's something like 10 million donors that go to GuideStar uh, to check out nonprofit profiles and sort of the information they can find, your 990, all that stuff. So if you can just provide them as much information as possible, it, it really, I think, bodes well for your organization and sets you sets you apart from some of your peers. Um, not, not that a donor is going to say, I'm only going to give to platinum level, but it does sort of raise your attention as someone who goes onto the site to say, oh, what's this platinum status? Oh, let me check it out. And oh my gosh, look at the great work they're doing. So um, I, I'm a believer that if you can make some time for it, um, it's free to do. It you know just needs to be built into to your timeline and all your other commitments. Yeah, I like the 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 fact that you can put the little thing on your web page too at the bottom it gives you a little seal that you can put there um yeah. they've been around for a while they've been doing it i mean they a million years ago they started at the as the national center for charitable statistics right and they, their whole job was to collect 990s they were the one of the first first bad guys when it came to making everybody understand that overhead was something that could be easily calculated off of the the 990 so this is one of the things that they've done to kind of <laughs> atone for their sins of yes. pushing that one yes. is because, and even then it didn't used to be a seal of transparency either. When they first started their GuideStar stuff, they used calculations a little bit like Charity Navigator started using calculations where it, it was just coming off of your 990. And then as they got farther into it, they realized that there was more, you know, that, that there's lots and lots of shades of gray and that, for example, a food bank is not going to have the same overhead ratios as a performing arts center. And that's, there's a really good reason for that. And so, so, so giving people more information was better. And, and it's nice that they've come up with something that, that, that you can fill out yourself and you can put input in, and it's not just coming off of your tax form, which is not something I love that it. you can be flexible with at all. No. And that's so not user-friendly as we know, most people glaze over when they see your audited financials or your tax form. So I no, I love it. I also think that uh, it's, it's a great, opportunity too. some organizations I think are scared when they start to go embark on a process like this, wondering, well, what if I don't have enough information to make our organization look good? Or maybe we haven't been measuring things. And the good news is, guess what? Then don't fill it out. But at least it gives you something to aim for about things maybe you should be looking to do as an organization in the future. 
Um, you know, it's, it's, there's so many donors. I don't know about you, Andy, but, but I know even myself as a donor, if I don't really want a personal relationship with a nonprofit, the first thing I do is go to GuideStar and I, I, I look a little bit at, at what, what I can find on there. I look at their website and so many donors I think are doing that these days going online and, and some want a personal relationship and some don't. So, um, Hey, I can't say that, you know, for sure you're going to strike it rich with a lot of new donors from it, but it certainly isn't going to hurt you. I, I wouldn't think. Yeah. And it's, if you haven't done it, it's, it's, it's a really easy win for your next strategic planning session too. You just say, Oh, one of the things we really want to do is we want the, we want GuideStar Platinum. You put that on there and then, and then when the board asks you what you're working on, you can say you're working on that. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I don't know how long it takes, but, you know, if it takes you a day, oh, it took us a whole uh, year, it was right? Platinum. It's really hard. It, so rigorous. <laughs> Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit, with your host, Andy Shurick and Stacy Wedding. In this crazy world we live in, there is one constant. The Nonprofit Everything Podcast. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> so there, there's your opening, folks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Nonprofit Everything. This is Stacey Wedding. I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Extraordinaire. Uh, is there another great adjective I can use about you, Andy? I don't know, but Andy Shurik. So uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, as you know, we could not do this without you. We need your questions. We uh, design these podcasts off of your questions. So send them in, nonprofiteverything.com, or you can track Andy or I down or find uh, the Nonprofit Everything Facebook page or go to the Ann website. Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits helps make this possible. They are the presenter, host, and uh, generous organization making this available to you. So thanks to them and thanks especially to you for listening. This episode of Nonprofit Everything is sponsored by the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits Job Board, your one-stop shop for the next step in your career. Searching job listings is totally free and AN members receive a big discount when posting new jobs. There are dozens of nonprofit jobs available right here in Nevada and there are out-of-state jobs too. Find it by going to the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits webpage and clicking the Job Board button or access it directly at jobs.alliancefornevadanonprofits.com or find the link in the Nonprofit Everything show notes. We're feeling the crunch of reduced budgets and our national office, number one, put a freeze on pay increases, understandably. Number two, reduced maximum retirement planning match, which likely impacts a very small number of staff at the very top of this pay structure. And number three, eliminated employer contributions to cover health care premiums, which is equivalent to an annual expense of approximately $7,300 for some employees. Previously, employee expenses were reduced year over year. I wasn't involved in the discussion or decision-making at the national level, and I assume there's context I'm not familiar with, but these decisions, particularly the complete elimination of employer health care contributions, seem like they could have been tempered. Aside from the we're still lucky to have a job mentality, what strategies or thinking can we share as supervisors and leaders at the local level? I'll add that the national office added two new executive positions since April 1st, and these are newly created positions, not hires to fill open roles. 
Clearly, these salaries wouldn't resolve all of the budget shortfall, but the optics are terrible from the local perspective. Oh, national national offices can sometimes be the bane of organizations' existence, can't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hear some situations where it's so great and they provide a lot of support and resources, but more often than not, you hear stories like this, which is uh, which is a shame. Um, Well, I guess. I'm wondering, you know, because the, the person who wrote in said that they they weren't a part of that discussion or decision making process. I'm wondering if they can go to national and ask for some context behind it and even share it through the lens of we have some disgruntled or concerned employees, even if that's not the fact yet, but just, you know, we're trying to put some context and message this properly. So can you share with us what your thought process was? I feel like the first step step might be just talking to National about it, seeing if you can get uh, more understanding or if there is some long term strategy or plan you're not aware of. To me, that feels like the first step. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to have a conversation with them to find out what it was that's that's making that happen. It sounds like that's not not super transparent, especially if the national office is is making those sort of big picture budget decisions on your behalf and then just handing them down to you saying, here's here's how it goes. This is what we've decided. Live with it. You've, I mean, that's that's a really hard way to to get buy in, especially because we know that fundraising all happens on a local level. Um, yes, there's there's it's hard to it's hard to run a program nationally if you're not engaging with your if you don't ha- if you don't give the the local offices some autonomy in setting their own budgets and figuring out how they're going to pay their own staff and, and letting them come up with a solution rather than just hearing like, yep, this is how it is. Sorry, suck it up. I'm th- I mean, I'm thinking it's almost you just have to maybe give it a try. I'm not hopeful that you're going to get much from national because of the way they, this came down, but I'm wondering if you at least try and here's my thinking behind why trying to at least get an answer from national makes sense. A, it raises um, at least kind of an alert that your chapter isn't happy with this or your, you know, your local affiliate isn't happy with this or your staff isn't. And usually in national, I mean, I think it also might be worth, talking to someone within national saying, can I, can I talk to someone just as your affiliate relations person about how this, how this feels and how this looks? Because I I mean, they may be aware of it, but perhaps they made a rush decision or something else happened. So I think giving some feedback, because if you're feeling this way, I'm sure others are feeling this way too. And then I guess addressing it with your employees, I'm thinking, being able to at least tell your employees, I mean, I would be proactive about it rather than sort of staying hush hush about it when you know that there's people who are sort of talking or creating their own stories behind it. I think it's worth getting the staff together and saying as as factual and unemotional as you can, which is tough in this situation, but sort of like we're aware that A, B and C has happened. We're aware. We know you're aware of that. And we want you to know we're trying to get to the bottom of of an understanding about it. We've reached out to national. We're waiting to get some feedback, but we wanted to let you know that we are your biggest, you know, we are, we are advocates for this organization for, um, for all of, all of your positions and sort of what's going on. Uh, so you have a better understanding. So as soon as we know more, we will share that with you. I, I feel like there's some space to, 
to at least just share that you're trying to get some information. Whether you get it or not is probably a different stance. Um, but 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 I think that means something to employees versus just being quiet about it and just letting it sort of simmer. Yeah, that, that's probably the worst thing you could do is right. Yeah. Let yeah. them be surprised. Like, oh, by the way, your health insurance, we need another 7,300 bucks. Right. Um, so, you know, what the worst thing you could do, I think, really would be to create an adversarial relationship between your office and national because you don't want um, because employees that feel like they're disrespected, they feel like their voices aren't heard are employees that do a terrible job. Um, and, and in nonprofits, we know that, that one of the things that makes nonprofit work interesting and fun is knowing that you're appreciated, knowing that what you're doing is actually making a difference. And that's that you can put up with a lot when, when you've got that in the back of your mind that I, you know, this is why I'm doing it. Um, but it doesn't take much for, for the executive team to sort of crush you with not treating you with respect and not involving you in those conversations. Um, as far as as strategies going forward, I mean, we're talking about, we're talking to nonprofits all the time now about new revenue strategies, figuring out you know, things that they used to do that just don't function anymore. I mean, there, there are nonprofits that fundamentally can't do the work that they were supposed to be doing um, prior to all of this happening. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that the need has gone away. So it's, it's a good time to start thinking about creative strategies, proposing creative strategies to try to get yourselves out of some of these financial holes. Um, we're, I suspect we're going to be answering a lot of podcast questions that are very similar to this. Um, the, this is a good time to sort of approach if, if the national model is set up in such a way that the budget is handed down from on high, that the revenue is all collected from on high, that all of the development folks or the people that are working nationally, I mean, maybe it's all, maybe it's all federal grants, which is why there's not necessarily a local presence. Um, in the fundraising realm, but I mean, but there might be as well. And this is a good time to sort of say, like, the what's the purpose of our nonprofit? And is there is there a compelling ask, something that we can do in the community that can help us raise enough money to to come up with an extra seventy three hundred dollars per employee to be able to make this so that we don't have higher turnover costs and lose employees just because they're not feeling respected and you know they can get a job someplace else um, if they can. But but I mean, it's a, I think this kind of scenario is a perfect time to sort of say, hey, I know you thought that your old way of doing things was super fantastic. But guess what? <laughs> <laughs> that balloon just popped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should start looking for some other strategies and start to suggest new strategies. And, and people may, you know, people may be open to them, maybe not. But but it's worth a shot. Do you think do you think it's adversarial what I'm suggesting about talking to national to try to get some context? No, not at all. OK. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, there, there's an I approach, think, right? Yeah, a way to do the, it. The instinct of just, I mean, just most line level employees, when somebody says, oh, by the way, we're lowering your pay and we're not paying for your health insurance, their sort of default reaction is going to be, um, I don't like you anymore. Why are you making decisions on my behalf? Right. So 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 making sure that you don't exacerbate that by making it a us versus them kind of thing, um, I think would be good. I think there's some opportunity in addition to what you're saying to also talk a bit about what does the local office, what can you control? What do you have power and influence over? And perhaps that is the strategy, because when this stuff starts to happen, people feel really out of control. They you know, they didn't have a voice in the decision. It just gets, you know, sent down to them. So maybe there's an opportunity to say, 
like, let's brainstorm a little bit of we know times are tough, but here's what is in our control. Because you and I don't know what control levels or the, uh, the, this organization has or doesn't have, right? So we, we need to kind of defer to there's got to be some I'm hoping some local autonomy to make some decisions so that so that they can get creative. Um, and then maybe it, it's it's sort of like turned. It's like, let's turn over a new leaf. All right, Andy, here's a good one. We are preparing for a transition in the next few years of our founder and executive director. He is looking to move out of his role as executive director, but would like to move into another role with the organization where he can be a part-time employee or subcontractor doing some program evaluation work for us. As a board member, I am wondering if this role transition could work and how we would need to structure it to ensure the best interest of the organization are the priority. <laughs> that's fun and political, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's juicy. Yeah. So... So the thing about founders. <laughs> oh, founders, founders, <laughs> the, as I shake my head. The thing about founders who we love and we love working with founders. And I know a lot of people who are founders. Um, and and the board, I've noticed boards tend to get stuck when there's a founder thinking that the organization is going to be completely rudderless when that person yes. walks away. And and what we've seen both in the nonprofit sector and in for profits is when the founder takes a step away and you hire somebody whose job it is to expand and grow organizations or fix the holes in the boat or come up with ways for the organization to move in new directions and get bigger and attract more interested people um, that you always gives you the opportunity to make the organization better. And so there's this there's this desire to keep the founder on board because they just assume that all the donor relationships are going to evaporate, that the staff is going to be angry and won't know how to take direction from somebody different. And 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 the and having the founder around um, in some, you know, marginalized capacity, minimal capacity um, is is not going to just be a huge nightmarish conflict of interest for everybody involved. Um, because the so the your new executive director so you you get this you bring this new poor executive director on and you say oh by the way the former Look what you're inheriting right the yeah. former founder is going to now be in this new role um, and and if that executive director is is savvy and can handle people really well it might not be any problem at all they might be able to say oh, great that's fantastic I'm so glad that we're be we're able to keep all of this. Um, this institutional knowledge of the, all of the stuff that used to happen um, that, that you know about that will now be able to directly get this from you instead of having to wonder how it used to be um, and, and take it in the right way and not feel like every time that the new executive director makes a move that this person's going to go, the, the former founder is going to go behind their back to the board and start complaining about everything. So, yeah, I you know, I have to just jump in here for a minute, because one of the things I was thinking is it's not only uncomfortable for that new executive director and could be uncomfortable for the board, depending on how things shake out. But it's uncomfortable for the staff mm -hmm. if if they are interacting at all. I mean, there is this weird sort of conflict of loyalty, this internal battle of like, well, you were my boss for so long and the founder. So 
like, am I being rude or kind of going above you, even though they absolutely should to the the new ED or whatever the reporting structure is, right? So I, I really creates kind of an uncomfortable dynamic for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I th- there may be ways to do it that that isn't, or, or there may be reasons to do it that um, that are that are so important that that you need to keep somebody on board. But I can't. Th- think of any valid ones. I mean, I, I cannot think of a legitimate reason that you would want to keep a founder in, in a newly smaller role. Um, because so here's, here's the other side of it too, is, is the executive director now wants less responsibility. They're going to take less pay because they're getting, maybe I'm assuming they're going to take less pay because they're, they're getting less responsibility. Um, so, but they don't want to completely take their claws out of it. They want to stay on in some capacity. Um, I, if I were on the board of this organization, I would recommend that that there be a clean break when the executive director founder leaves, that there be some sort of clean break that you might want to engage in some sort of consulting relationship with them. You know, pay them a little bit of money, pay, pay them some money every month, but don't, for the God's sake, don't let them come into the office and sit there and 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 make everybody second guess any new additional changes that are coming along because you have a new executive director. Yeah, I think it's it's really hard. I mean, I can say as somebody who founded an organization before, it was it's hard to let go, even when you think you're emotionally ready to do it. It's it's hard to let go. It's like your baby. Right. And I think oh, most yeah. founders talk about that. So so the other option is, uh, you know, I'd be really curious to know why. Like, I, I'm curious more to understand what is the executive director trying to, and founder trying to accomplish? Are they still trying to get a little cash flow? And if that's it, like you said, Andy, I think the consulting arrangement where they're offsite and it's just as needed is a really smart way to go. Um, but but I guess I just am really curious because to me, there's just so much room for um, even just good. It could start with good intentions and really end up messy. So um I would, I, I would just hate to, and, and that's not fair to your new ED Mm-mm. at all. No, I would hate to inherit that if I were coming into an organization. And, and any employee that leaves an organization, if they, were, if they weren't fired, if they weren't an idiot and they did good stuff and they were there for a long time, they probably cast a pretty long shadow. So they, yeah. stuff that they did, and, and it takes a while to unwind. Well, well, that's, you know, that's how Andy always had us do it, <laughs> right? right? Even right. if it was completely wrong, like you just right. like, somebody has to be able to come in and say, well... He actually didn't know what he was talking about, and we're going to do it a little bit differently. And on the other what side is- of that, right, you get you leave yeah. organizations, and I'm sure you feel this way. You leave organizations, and you find out that the past organization that you worked with is doing something different. And and your first thought, even if you don't say it out loud, is like, I, I wouldn't have done it that way, right? Exactly. <laughs> right? That is exactly what happens, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, it's so yes, I yeah. guilty, right? I'm raising my hand, guilty. Yeah, I know, I, um, I feel that all the time. <laughs> I, yeah, I know yeah, that way. Like, oh, you crazy? Are you crazy? What do you think? Yeah. So it was so much better when I was running the show. So. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know, I know that any organization that I've left seems to be doing great. So well. It, Here's here's a caveat. I'm curious, Do, I, you know, and I'm just sort of taking this a step further. Is there an opportunity or a clause like what do you think would happen or do you think it would work if they said, listen, founder, we're going to ask for the health of just the organization and your own health. We're going to ask you step away for X amount of time. And then if you're still interested and there's still an opening of some sort, you're welcome to come back. Do you think that that would help? maybe I just don't know. I don't know why you'd want to do that other than you, yeah. you can't release your clause. 
that you want to you want to still be in charge, but you don't want the responsibility. So you want to you want to still have you still want to feel like it's your organization because you started it. So you need to be attached to it. Um, I mean, if you if you have to do that, join the board. Right. Right. Get them. And I still am not even I don't even love that. Yeah. But yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Join the board. I see I see that all the time. Right. The founder ends up joining the board. Or if you really feel passionate about it, the organization. And I mean, if you, if it really is coming from a like a really, truly like honest place where you feel like you're so connected to this place that you just can't let it go. Be a donor, like yeah. leave, go make money someplace else and send them $10,000 check. Yes. Every month, right. Then yeah. then you can feel like you're doing a lot of good work. Yeah. <laughs> Without maybe, you can even, maybe you can even get your own program or building named after you if you give enough. Right. right. So, like, yeah. You're, hey. If you're a good enough founder, they'll name something yeah. after you anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us for Stacy and I really appreciate that you take the time to listen to the podcast. We appreciate the questions that you send us. Um, please send us more. We, we love hearing your questions. Um, I think we asked a couple of weeks ago to send us um, ones that would see if we could make Stacy's head explode. So see if, see if you <laughs> it can, happens pretty easily these days. We, by we the way. got some that were pretty close, but I don't think we're there yet. We what we're looking for. So to be specific, what we're looking for is a question that is such a messed up situation <laughs> that Stacy cannot believe it's true. <laughs> so, so come up with it. If it's something you've heard, just send us something and, and you know what, maybe make up a really terrible situation. We'll see if we can find out if <laughs> it's a real one or not. Oh, dear. Maybe That's we'll not just... really very nice, Andy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I think it's going to be fun. So no, um, we're, we're here to answer whatever questions you send us, even in a, a couple of, I think it was two years ago or so we got a random question um, that we we answered that we buried in the members only section of the Ann website. So if you're an Ann member, you could go to the members only section and find a bonus question that we did is probably a year and a half ago now. Right. Um, oh, but it's it's a giggle. It's good when you need like a laugh for your afternoon. <laughs> check it out. Yeah. So it's still in there. If you're an Ann member and you haven't done that, go to the to the members section of the Ann website log in and then find the bonus question that we did a couple of years ago. Um, so, so we will answer pretty much anything. <laughs> um, and if it's that absurd, we just won't put it in the podcast. We will save it for bonus content. So, so send us your questions and thanks again to the Alliance for Nevada nonprofits for making this possible. We really appreciate it. Um.